Welcome back to The Rod, the podcast. It is 2022, and we thought that we would be back to normal right by now, but you know what I mean? doesn't really feel like it. I'm uh, very happy to say that co-host Jordan Betts is back again, baby. So we're uh, getting back into the groove new year. How was your uh, holiday season? It was good, man. Uh, nice, nice to be back. I, I know we're still virtual, um, you know, as the sign of the times with a little COVID going around. But uh, holiday was good. I spent Christmas down in Wilmington with my family and then um, went down um, my my long term girlfriend is a uh, Michigan grad, so went down to um, Miami for the Orange Bowl, and unfortunately that game didn't go so well for the Wolverines. But uh, mm-hmm. great trip, and um, you know, back last night, back to work uh, in Cameron Indoor, and uh, you know, doing all good things at Duke Athletics. So never seems like it's long enough with the holiday break, but uh, it was actually really nice to get back to work this week. Oddly enough, uh, uh, how about you? Not bad. I uh, joined the Canes COVID list over the holidays, which is wild. I've gone almost, what, two years without getting it. And I was like, good yeah, about. To be fair, you could have been asymptomatic. Yeah, fair. That's fair. Um, but I was good about like not seeing anybody prior to Christmas and everything. I tested negative like right before Christmas. And then a few days after Christmas, I was uh, in COVID protocol. So had some. Mild flu-like symptoms from it kind of put me on my butt for a few days. Feeling better now, finishing up my quarantine uh, this week so that I can try and get back to normal life. And Did that mean more, new time, or more time with the new puppy? Yeah, um, just, you know, days full of the new puppy. So we had, a, we had a blast. She was thrilled to have more time to hang out with me because, you know, I'm her favorite, obviously. So I mean, how, how, how could she not, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, she's living the dream, living the dream, watching uh, Lord of the Rings on repeat with me. So shout out to her and the wife. Right? Yeah, New Year's Eve, we uh, we did a Lord of the Rings marathon. My wife and I and our two puppies, <laughs> as we were both in COVID protocol at the time, so we sat back and just uh, relaxed. <laughs> COVID protocol. The yeah. whole family slash team was in protocol. Yeah, all four of us locked up. So we had a good time. We just, you know, it was a well, quiet. Were... Go ahead, sorry. I was just saying it was just quiet, laid back, no party, uh, New Year's Eve for us. You know, I I, I think I've, you know, I, I, I turned 30 in October and I'm getting old. And, uh, you know, I think the quiet New Year's Eve thing's kind of the move for me going forward although we're not together tonight i I am uh excited to talk some canes hockey with you and um i don't know but let's get going um i know last time we had kind of speculated or you had speculated because you did the solo pod um reviewed what happened versus the wings and the kings and you know speculated kind of what would happen uh with the olympics and a few things moving forward here and I guess now it's official. They they will not be going to the Olympics. So, you know, not to be redundant, but kind of what's your opinion on that? Yeah, I mean, I can understand why some players would be upset. Um, like you and I chatted about prior to the episode, um, as part of the big CBA negotiations, which I'll let you 
elaborate on so I can understand why a lot of the players aren't thrilled for many of them it's the last opportunity they'll likely have in their career and that hurts simultaneously if it's me personally I have no desire to be quarantining in China so it's a double-edged sword Um, I think some people may be relieved to not have to turn down the invitation Um, the NHL did that for them And then obviously there has been some vocal players like Marchand and others that have come out and stated how disappointed they are. So for me, it's a mixed bag. I can see both sides of it. Myself personally, if it was my choice, I would be very scared of being in China for five weeks locked in a in a little room. Something something tells me um, your quarantine would be a little different than than that one um, here in the Far East. You know, you mentioned the CBA, and I think there's a few takeaways um, from the CBA negotiation and paired with COVID and uh, the Olympic debate. And for me, it's one, there, there was never any incentive for the league to, if there was any doubt with COVID, to try to press forward. I mean, the league is not, you know, there's, there's not revenue sharing there. So they're not getting anything from the players leaving. It's all risk from the league's perspective. And if that could cost them games here or prevent them from making up games, uh, you, you noted that the Canes already have, you know, five or six postponements that they have to make up or they're going to use that, you know, break from January 30th to February 25th or 6th to make up those games. And across the league, you can understand why the NHL had no interest in allowing the players to go. The way that makes my mind work is, and I'm you know, kind of regurgitating uh, what I've heard from Elliot Freeman and Greg Wyshynski and a few others, is in the negotiation, the players should have had some sort of kickback. So if the league says no Olympics due to COVID, well, the players should have gotten something else. Well, since there was no counterbalance there, the league was all along going to look for every out. And unfortunately, like you said, um, that's going to re- prevent some guys that really wanted to go from participating. And, um, uh, you know, you have to feel poorly for them. But at the end of the day, um, you know, they're getting paid millions of dollars to play in the NHL. And although I would love to re- the opportunity to represent my country, they do have an obligation to their teams. And it's just... You, you you can't have the league, you know, and I guess theoretically they, they could if they really wanted to. Um, that's kind of speculative. It's not ironed out, but they could go play. And then is the league going to ice, you know, these subpar games? And uh, I don't know. It's just unfortunate the league has shown its ability to be flexible uh, as far as, you know, now we have taxi squads, but they're inflexible when it comes to, making concessions to the players. So I'm sure this will hurt in subsequent negotiations uh, because there always seems to be disagreements between the NHL and the NHLPA. For sure. And I just feel like Gary Bettman wrote the, if you give a mouse a cookie, a book, because that's how I feel. You know what I'm saying? If you give them something, they're going to want more. I feel like is his mentality. So he always, and it's not him alone, but upper management for the NHL just seems to constantly push back against what the players think is best and even sometimes what some of the owners think is best for the league. 
Yeah, at the end of the day, it's still a ticket-driven league, so um, I'm sure Bettman and the owners are, are ardent in their support of we have to have as many games played with fans. Uh, they, they're going to try their best to play the 82. Um, I know it's something you mentioned in your solo pod that, you know, maybe the NHL adopts uh, more of the NHL, or NFL and NBA approach of you, you're only testing people if they're exhibiting symptoms, which I think um, as long as we are – in the world of, you know, Omicron or, or other, you know, subsequent variants, as long as the viral load is low, I, I think that's maybe a prudent strategy and, um, you know, still trying to mitigate risk, but at least these guys have access to, you know, great resources. But if you're not, if you're vaccinated and you're not exhibiting uh, symptoms, um, you know, you're hearing from a lot of at least outspoken players in other leagues that, you know, they really want to play. And, um, hey, that's not our decision. Uh, we want everyone to stay safe and healthy. Uh, hopefully, you know, we're not in a situation where players are experiencing symptoms like you did. And, um, you know, like I said, just something that everyone is going to have to be flexible with, but it seems like things are shifting to some degree. Yeah, and that shift is likely going to need to happen if we want to be able to continue to have a high-end product and if we want to be able to move forward without jam-packing the schedule even more the Canes are set to play 16 games in March so over half the days in March will be games and then they have 15 games in April so half the days in April will be games and the Canes have six games to make up from postponements already the Minnesota Nashville Boston Ottawa Florida and Toronto games Granted, none of those are metropolitan division games. They're still, you know, games that need to be played to get us to 82. Um, there is a break where the Olympic break was supposed to be for the Canes. It's the 30th of January to the 25th of February. We know that one of the major issues with scheduling postponements is finding dates that work for both teams while simultaneously finding an arena that's not booked. I don't know if there are many solutions, and I'm really curious to see how the NHL is able to, you know, solve this issue, especially if from now till the end of the season there are more postponements in between. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, man, so right off the top, I mean, I'm, I'm not looking at the schedule right now, but you listed the number of games played in March and April, and, Immediately, that just rings out. There's not a whole lot of time for making up games. And, you know, the league, whether officially has stated this or not, they don't want to push it into May or June, you know, to finish regular season games. So um, they, they really want to try and get those ironed out as quickly as possible so they can kind of get back to more of that traditional calendar that we had become accustomed to, you know, for so long prior to COVID. Um yeah, I, 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 I'm glad my job is not running logistics for figuring out these arena arrangements. I, I think the one saving grace the Canes have with their postponements to be uh, made up are, uh, although no Metro opponents, um, everything is pretty much, um, I guess the furthest west they would go would be Minnesota. Um, so two central time zone opponents, but um, very accessible. And so yeah. for them – it could have been a lot worse. What if they have gotten postponed when they're in West Canada, Western Canada or, uh, you know, NorCal or Seattle. And 
so for them to be able to avoid that, I mean, those can be day trips if they can get the dates ironed out. And I'm sure the league office and the teams are hard at work right now finding times to make that happen. And, you know, it's probably going to be – for years, Rod's always been a huge fan of, you know, more games they can play in a short amount of time. Not that he wants the guys overworked, but um, in my mind, it, it might be nice for them to have that February where over that three-week period – you're playing just those six games and kind of, you know, almost might give you a, you're staying active. So you're, you're staying in sort of a rhythm. It's, it's better than just practicing like you would have been. Um, but you're not, you know, overly taxed. And so maybe hit the second half, um, with a lot of energy. And that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. And not that we can expect too much more right now, because to be fair, the guys are playing excellently. Yeah, that would, it would be it would be the best case scenario if they're able to squeeze those games in in February um for the reasons you mentioned it would just be good to eliminate the opportunity for Russ to build up and with even the small amount of games played in that time period still allows you to get healthy doesn't overwork you we'll just have to see how the scheduling works out cuz we all know it's going to be a nightmare we have to hope for as few postponements between now and the end of the season as possible but uh, let's get into some into some actual game action. The last two games, uh, the 30th of December and then New Year's Day, Montreal. That game is at home, four nothing Canes. Any thoughts on that game? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, two of your finished stars were, were excellent that night with uh, Aho and uh, Turbo, both with two points. Uh, Jacob Slavin with three assists on the back end. I mean. Honestly, it's, you know, they're not a divisional opponent, but it's kind of a, a budding rivalry here with Montreal. And, um, you know, it's just, it, it's been a calamity uh, of the season for, for the Habs. And, you know, I, I don't mind seeing that. It's kind of, um, you know, they went on that kind of fluky, magical run to the Cup Finals last year. But, um the Canes in the offseason signing Cotton Keeney and um, to the offer sheet. And then it's just been a snowball effect. It, it's like Carolina's kind of been uh, their daddy, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's one way to put it for sure. And then from there, you go to the Columbus game. And if you turn that one off early, I feel bad for you. It was looking bleak score-wise. Uh, Columbus got out to a 4-0 lead. If you're watching the game, the Canes had – played strong in my opinion at that point some goals some defensive lapses that you want back but there was just this feeling during the game that there was an opportunity to come back still and the Can the Canes ended up coming back I think starting halfway through the second period to have score seven unanswered goals and that's one of those games where when I'm watching it I'm sitting there and saying this is the definition of a contender for the Stanley Cup because they play the same way every game. They played their game. They got down. Instead of putting their head down, the team continued to skate and play their game and were able to pull out a 7-4 victory. And it was just one of those thrilling games to watch where in the past, as a Canes fan, for a long time, you'd see them go down 3-4-0 and you might as well turn off that game if you want to save your mental state from crashing. But now you you leave that game on, which is just it's it's awesome 
So I, I was driving back from Florida, so I missed the game live. I, I have since seen a highlight or um, uh, a replay of the game. And I remember texting you. Um, I was like 4 nothing. Was, I was thinking this is terrible. But I, I texted you, it was 4-2, and you were like, hey, they're playing really well. Like, they've been the better team the entire time, even when they were down 4-0. Like, they've been the better team. They're, they're getting the run of play. It's just kind of some fluky things that happened you know, kind of an unsustainable shooting percentage there to start the game. And, you know, all of a sudden we get into the third and Carolina makes it, what, 4-3, and then they score, what, three goals in uh, under two minutes. And I text you, I was like, is my app glitching? Like, is this real? And you're like, no, this is actually happening. Um, so, yeah, totally a wild game. Um, but you're to- you're absolutely correct. I mean, that that is the definition of, of a championship team is, that they keep grinding when you're down, and it's more process over results. And, you know, fortunately enough, they were able to get the result on Saturday um, versus a team in Columbus that's maybe playing a little better than most of us expected. Yeah, uh, my thoughts on Columbus, and it was kind of my thoughts at the beginning of the season, I think they have a lot of offensive firepower, personally. I think it's a team that can score and can play very good hockey. Um their back end hasn't looked fantastic, um, but nonetheless, still a really good team playing in a really competitive division. So I'm happy with the results. I'm happy to see the way the team is playing. With that being said, this weekend is going to be a big challenge. You've got Calgary, who's no slump of a team. They're in playoff position in, in the West Coast on Friday, followed by what many would argue would be the second best or best team in the NHL, depending on your perspective in the Florida Panthers. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting week weekend at PNC arena. Looking forward to getting back. Um, so right now you got Calgary sitting in third place in the Pacific, uh, having a little bit of a bounce back year uh, after a down year a season ago. Um, not the same type of Calgary team that you've maybe seen in the past. Um, they, they've embraced their coach's new philosophy and a little bit more physical grinding style away from uh, what they were, uh, what, two or three years ago when they were the number one team in the West uh, in the regular season. Um, things things have settled in for them. And then, you know, turn the page to, to Saturday and the you know Florida Panthers come to town and, you know, through last year's makeshift Central Division, it kind of became a little bit of a rivalry, and those games always seem to be wild from start to finish. There's just so much offensive firepower. It's a free-flowing game. Um, you know, I, I think maybe Freddie Anderson's the difference if he plays. Um, it's going to be interesting uh, because if you get two points in that one and four points in those two games, you, you've really, you know, set yourself up well. Uh as they look to build more momentum uh, in what's kind of been a, you know, broken, you know, just like I mentioned to you before we got on, this is the longest four-game winning streak ever. It's almost spanned a month, and they've only played four games. So a uh, little bit of a chopped-up schedule. Um, but, yeah, really excited to watch these two or these two teams come to town and see how Carolina uh, fares versus uh, some higher-caliber opponents. Yeah, and I think the Florida game will certainly be a measuring stick. You're talking about two the two highest win percentage teams in the NHL right now. Um, they both are extremely deep. 
They're both strong on in every facet of the game, essentially. And if you can get through those two games, you follow that up with Philly, Columbus, and Vancouver. Winnable games, all of them. If you can get through that, extend the winning streak, collect those points, you're going to be in a really strong position moving forward. Moving forward, the question for me is we're starting to slowly wade our way into the time of year when you start thinking about roster additions and things along those lines. So the Canes are going to have a lot to look at in the next couple of weeks to a month to try to figure out where they think the team is, where they think they can improve, because I think they've learned from their mistake of not adding prior to the last playoff run. Um, I don't think they're going to be quiet at the deadline in the months leading up. And I know that they are fans of getting players in early if they can to let them acclimate to the group. So we're getting into that territory where we could see potential moves being made. Um, If you were looking to make a move today, what would you be trying to acquire, Jordan? It's funny. I was actually going to ask you that question because as you were – Talking there, I was thinking, you know, if I'm Carolina, where do I think my weaknesses are? And um, I think we both hope that they don't sit on their hands again. Even when you have a division championship uh, winning team like they were a season ago, you can always add um, because in the playoffs, uh, it becomes a war of attrition. I think we've seen this year that there is organizational depth and you feel comfortable calling guys up. But there, there's a difference between winning regular season games uh, and pushing into the playoffs. Um, as of now, I mean, we, we've heard rumors that they, they were in on Klinberg, uh, which you called in the preseason, which I think was unbelievable by you. But, you know, when I, when I look at the roster, I, I, I just always think this team, even though they're, what, number one in goals, it can, can always just use one more true finisher. And, hey, they're, they're playing – 14 guys up front right now are rotating 14 guys up front between those 12 spots. And um, we've gotten a lot of tremendous production. You don't get to that point that they're at right now uh, without, you know, good players, but one more difference making true goal scorer has always been number one on my list for this team. I think we've gotten more on from the back end than we had hoped. Uh, Tony D'Angelo has been a revelation on the back end, stepped right into Dougie Hamilton's shoes, and it's been excellent. And we absolutely nailed um, the goalie uh, prediction to this point in the season at least. Um, so I, I don't think you're worried about, you know, between the pipes. So for me, it's just a high-end score. What about you? Yeah, I agree on the high-end score. I could, I could really see them circling back to St. Louis and saying – does Tarasenko still want out? Um, we'll just kind of have to see who's available because they're not going to overspend for a guy. They're probably going to want a guy with a little bit of term left if they're going to flip for him. Somebody that they could see as a few, like a player impacting the roster for at least a year or two. That's why I think they might circle back on Tarasenko. Um, I could see them looking to upgrade the defense. I think that the offensive and puck moving side of our defense has been pretty amazing. I could see them looking to add a defensive minded, maybe two way defenseman, uh, right-handed most likely. I don't know 
it'll really depend on how bear plays leading up to the um, trade deadline because if he like if you get to the playoffs we can't have mistakes being made and bear has been hot and cold a little bit for me this season i'd like his puck moving i like his ability to produce a little bit offensively there's been some weak points in our defensive zone and when you already have you have weak points from d'angelo already he's your offensive defenseman um i could see them maybe looking to make a play there if it if it's a play where you end up playing d'angelo on the third pairing with ian cole again and let him drive his offense because i still think he's able to drive offense from the third pairing and you find somebody else to play next to Slavin. I do really like how Shea and Pesci have looked all year. So I could see them potentially looking to add a right-handed defenseman and, like you said, another uh, another goal-scoring winger. So we'll see. It's, it's I, I curious am, I am all, I, I know Ethan Bear is, is a bit of a fan favorite uh, despite only being here a short time, but I am all in on them adding a proven – uh, right shot D-man that can add a little juice offensively, but is a shutdown guy uh, defensively. And because um, in the playoffs, I think we've just seen it a little bit that there's an extra level of physicality, and you, you can't have uh, careless turnovers. And it's just nice to have like proven commodities. Um, there's a time for growth and development, and, and guys are going to do that throughout the playoffs. Um, and I, I'm comfortable with Ethan Bear, you know, in the lineup, you know, every single night, but if they could potentially improve there, I, I wouldn't scoff at it. Yeah, defense comes at such a high premium during the playoffs, and every little mistake can be the difference in a game and could be a difference in the series. So I could see that being somewhere the Canes are are looking to improve. Um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how things shake out, right? Um, there sure. are so many of the pieces are ironed in. No, and, and clearly there, there's organizational depth uh, as, you know, was apparent with how many participants they had in the World Juniors. Um, the, the pipeline is strong, and I, unfortunately, or fortunately, if you're, if you're making a trade um, to bring in, you know, established veteran guys, um, you got to remember Carolina does not have its first-round pick this year, so uh, it will be extracting from the pipeline, but now we're at the point in the life cycle of the team where you start subtracting from your pipeline to make the win now roster there. And there's only so many years. And I, that doesn't, you know, we talked a lot in the summer about the core of your team and keeping that intact and how that sustains you over years. But you have to strike when the iron's hot and when it's an opportunity to, to go in and win a cup. Um, I think you got to do that because even though the core is going to be around for the next, you know, three to four years minimum, um, how many opportunities are you going to be, you know, right in the ring to be, or right in the running to be your division champ and, you know, so home ice to the playoffs and all those things. So I'm with you. If they have the opportunity, you got to do it. You got to go all in. Absolutely. And that's where the depth, like you mentioned, is just awesome for the Canes between kids playing in juniors or overseas or in the AHL right now or even playing in the NHL. At some point, you're not going to be able to play all those guys on the NHL roster, so there's no better use other than to flip them for something that you can use on your NHL roster. For me, there's only a handful of guys that I would not want to see leave. Obviously, Jarvis has already made the jump to the NHL. There, 
they're not going to trade him. I think if they had been willing to trade him, that Jack Eichel would be a Carolina Hurricane right now. Um, they're, I don't see them trading Jack Drury. Um, the way he's played when he's been called up to the NHL um, and how he's played in the AHL and at every level, he's just showing that consistent growth where he could be a long-time hurricane. I don't see him getting moved beyond that at this point. I think any any skater is pretty pretty much available if I'm if I'm Don Waddell. I don't think I want to touch the the goaltender stock just because it's not one of our strengths. We have young guys that are starting to play well and I would rather keep them as it's something we need versus trade those away. So if I'm if I'm Don, I'm I'm open to trading almost any of our prospect skaters and and seeing what we can get in return. Yeah, I, I'm like I said, I am totally with you there. Get a strike while the iron's hot, and the the young team can can weather the storm because the pipeline is strong. They've done an excellent job uh, building the organization from the NHL roster all the way down. So. Um, there, there's no surprise that they are built to be a sustainable winner, and I think you can make a few trades to go all in now without actually going all in and jeopardizing your future. Yep, exciting times ahead for us. Unless you have any uh, additional thoughts, I think that will wrap up this week's episode. No, man, good to be back with you. Hopefully next time we're recording in person, but I want to thank you guys all for joining us. And our first episode of 2022, which sounds incredibly weird to say, uh, but yet yeah, here we are. Uh, Happy New Year to you all, and uh, let's go cup chasing here this spring. It should be an exciting time, so we look forward to getting back in this and uh, recording episodes about actual games uh, far into the summer. So exciting times ahead, and... Uh, We look forward to next week when we get uh, another episode on the books. So everybody take care. Enjoy the rest of your week.